0: guys and welcome to the trash heap Uh, this is our halloween episode Um, we got we're gonna count down our top three underrated
1: horror movies apiece yeah everywhere I go shopping malls the bank the pet store Arby's Arby's the steak factory my uncle Lewis's basement the aquarium the hostess cake factory my old summer camp my gym teachers garage everybody's been asking what are your favorite horror movies What are your favorite underrated classics for Halloween? And so here we've got them. We're gonna deliver, and you're gonna hear about some pretty wild hidden gems that you probably forgot existed.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of movies that uh, there's a lot. I think even there's a lot of movies that are more overrated. You know, they get a lot of attention. I think it's time to shine a light. Well, I mean, that's kind of what this whole show is about: is shining a light on things that
1: other people kind of forgot about. Well, what what do you think? underrated means what is that that's a very vague piece of criticism well, you, you know i think uh underrated it doesn't
0: necessarily mean it's the best uh it doesn't mean it's you know there might be things that are that are better that are recognized but it's just something that deserves more recognition than it gets you know it may be a flawed movie it may be um not perfect but there was there's something about it i think that like the man's attention that maybe never really quite got
1: yeah too easily forgotten i think is a way i would describe an underrated movie because i don't particularly like that term but i do like a lot of movies that people often forget exist just because there are more high, high profile and maybe even better movies that exist but you miss out on a lot of fun if you forget about these movies
0: yeah it's really true but before we get into all of that, I think we want to thank all of our listeners we've had so far and all of the overwhelming support that we've gotten from you guys out
1: there, our little ZOA nerds. Friends, family, passers-by, random people on the internet, you clicked play on this podcast and that means everything. And you know, I also want to point something out too.
0: Um, if you listened to the last episode, this is going to tie back into our loyal followers, but you listen to last episode, I fell under a lot of fire uh, about my knowledge of the zoonoid
1: biology. Yeah, we roasted you pretty hard on your your knowledge of zoonoid history and uh, genetic makeup.
0: Well, one of our loyal listeners did some fact-checking for us, and I was vindicated. Pretty much every piece of science I held and knew about the zoonoids and the Giver unit was correct. So just to set the record straight... You know, this isn't to gloat. I mean, it totally is to gloat, but it's not. I was right. Francis Greet was wrong.
1: It's a painful thing to have to admit when you're wrong, and it's even more painful to have to admit it when Elliot's right. But in this case, uh, the opening crawl was the proof, and uh, Elliot was definitely right. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our episode uh, with the Giver and uh, you'll know what we're talking about. But shout out to Stein Hansen for doing the research and and vindicating this man next to me. Hey, thanks, guys.
0: Okay, so let's get started here. Keith, you want? why don't you kick it off with uh, your first pick?
1: Yeah, we're counting down our top three uh, underrated horror flicks that you're probably going to love. And uh, my number three is actually all of my movies are sequels. So get ready to hear the number two. Number three, so Night of the Demons two. This movie was released in 1994, which is a fantastic year. Uh, the tagline of the movie, which uh, is from directly on the VHS box, is "Angela's throwing a party, trick or treat sucker," which I think is fantastic. There's an image of Angela from the first Night of the Demons movie. And she's eating a lollipop that's a skeleton. What happens in the first night of the Demons movie? In the first night of the Demons movie, uh, this group of kids, some rambunctious teenagers, go to a hull house, or hell house as they affectionately call it, and they they go looking for some spirits and drum up some Halloween fun, and they meet uh, this possessed girl named Angela, and there's lots of gory violence and teens trying to survive through the night kind of stuff. It's definitely in the vein of like an Evil Dead or uh even the similarly titled Demons, which a lot of you hopefully have seen. If you um, like pus yeah. The movie Demons is for you. <laughs> it's definitely a pus heavy scene, man. Um and Night of the Demons too is really no different. It's been six years since the whole house massacre, uh, and the uh the title character Angela, uh, Uh, Her sister, from the first Melissa, now attends a Catholic school for troubled teens. And uh, when some of her classmates host a party at Hull House and they involve a book on demonic rituals, uh, Angela gets resurrected, and what follows is roughly 96 minutes of madcap demon action. Some of the highlights uh, on this include a a two-fisted boob gag that one-ups the original. Um, And what I'm referencing there is the the lipstick boob gag from the original. Uh, you might want to just pair this movie, in fact, with the uh, Night of the Demons, because that... Uh, so there's
0: a lot of uh, self-references?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of similar... It's it's a, a definitely a game of one-upsmanship mm-hmm. uh, between the two movies, and it's a lot of fun. Um, you also get some super soakers filled with holy water, a demon dance riot, the world's most dangerous nun, and a very explosive climax.
0: You said this this one is kind of a one-upsmanship between
1: the first. How does this one stack up against the original Night of the Demons? Well, uh, in terms of how well it's made, uh, I think uh, the original Night of the Demons is more of a well-made movie. It's got the very cool animated uh, intro and, and credits, like hand-drawn animation that's really festive and has some good Halloween vibes. Um, also, the... The wraparound story with the elderly couple in the original uh, is probably a lot more fun. But what the sequel does is... I like to call this uh, the Splatterpunk American Pie because it's <laughs> there's an insane amount of teenage hijinks uh, framing the horror. And while it's not a very scary movie, if you like dumb teen humor, like bathroom humor and mixed with gore... Uh, you can't really go wrong. The day after the party, the county sheriff went in with his deputies. They found the kids, or rather what was left of them. Their bodies were chopped, grated, sliced, and diced, totally toasted. I'm talking ground round. Terry? The relatives could barely identify them. But they did. Every one of them. Everyone except Angela. Angela? The girl who threw the party. They searched the property over and over, high and low, but never found her body. They say it's because she descended into hell, body and soul, and now she's Satan's favorite, sitting on his lap. She's probably sitting on his big spike right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, my uh, number three choice is 2005's *An Xmas Tale*.
1: Number three. Oh, what?
0: *An Xmas Tale*. It's a, this, is a, this movie came out in 2005. It's directed by Paco Plaza, known for The Wreck Movies, which later got remade in America as Quarantine. It's a Spanish movie. Yes. Um, I have heard
1: of these films. Um,
0: this is a really cool, fun little movie that I really think deserved a lot of attention and, and didn't really get any. I think the only thing it, thing it got to an American release is it got released on like a, a six-pack of DVDs called films to keep you up at night, and it was all just foreign films oh. that uh, got the uh, distribution rights, got purchased for very cheap, and kind of crammed together. But this movie is really cool. Um, it takes place in 1985. It has a very like homage to like 80s horror and like and entertainment type stuff. It's about a young group of friends. One of them is played by the little girl from uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and this movie came out just. Dr- just before Pan's Labyrinth did, so it's got her in it. Uh, other than that, I don't. I mean, it's all Spanish actors. It's no one I'm not particularly familiar with. But this is this movie. It starts out. It, it it starts out kind of as just these group of friends who find uh, this person in a pit in the woods who like fell into like this big hole in the ground, has like a busted up leg, all this stuff, and it's a bank robber, and that they heard about on the news earlier earlier that day. Uh, it was bank. It was a female bank robber dressed as Santa. They know it's her because it's this woman dressed as Santa in this pit, and they refuse to help her out unless they tell. They tell she tells them where she stashed the money. So it's this kind of this like, game of of uh, of chance and waiting and, and mind games between this group of little kids and this bank robber in the hole and. It, the movie just kind of does things, weird, goes weird directions that you wouldn't Wait, think. so the entire movie is set in the hole? Not the entire movie. Most, there's a large portion of the movie where it's the woman in the hole and the kids taunting her and stuff. And then there are two kids who are obsessed with this like weird like voodoo zombie movie that's not a real movie. It's a movie they made up. It's a movie within the movie that they made up. And then so they do a voodoo ritual around around her at night by themselves without when their other friends aren't there. And they think that they've churned the bank robber into a zombie. (laughs) So, and she ends up getting out of the hole and chasing them through an abandoned amusement park. There's Karate Kid Kung Fu references. There's a lot of weird, crazy stuff that happens in this movie. And every time you think, you know, the movie's about to be over, something, another weird, little weird thing happens and the movie takes another direction. I don't want to really want to spoil too much. I think you've spoiled
1: Uh, enough. This is pretty wild.
0: But it's definitely worth checking out if you guys haven't seen it.
1: I haven't seen this. I honestly didn't think you'd bring anything to the table that I haven't seen. But well, right out of the gate, you got me. We go. I don't know about you guys, but I'm gonna head right the hell out of here and go check this movie out. I'm also a big fan of movies that use um, slang terms in the title, like the fact that this is called an Xmas tale. Right. Yeah,
0: it's kind of weird. That that is a
1: bold style choice. Yeah.
0: Not just. I don't also don't know if that was partly. Like I said, it's a Spanish movie. I don't know what the original Spanish title was. Oh. If if
1: there's a, a Spanish equivalent of
0: Xmas. Oh, so
1: but the Spanish title could be different. It could, it could be, be different. It could have yeah. been renamed yeah. for that that movie compilation.
0: And I think possibly it might be called an Xmas. They might have called it an Xmas tale just to save room on the box. Wild. Just because there were so many titles titles listed.
1: It worked. What has done, Eugenio? It's impossible tío. Es solo It's just <laughs> all
0: right
1: it's my turn again and this time i've got fright night Part two. Number two. Fright Night Part Two was released in 1988. Um, the tagline from the movie is, Welcome back. And if you, you, you've you seen the original Fright Night, that's actually a, a callback to the Welcome to Fright Night, which is the intro of the fictional show. The sort of uh, monster vision, like up all night. The show that they, Tales from the Crypt. The show that of, they
0: watch. there's like a, host like a, like a kind of like a Elvira male Elvira type host, yeah exactly and and watch a show called Fright Night yeah the, yeah you, the yeah. vampire
1: hunter Peter Vinson as portrayed by the legendary Roddy McDowell mm-hmm. who is a gem in both of those movies um but this movie is set three years after the first film and the main character Charlie who uh who faced off uh with uh, Jerry Danridge the vampire next door uh in the first one Uh, He's finally getting the help he needs in the form of therapy with a psychiatrist. And he's finally convinced that Jerry Danridge, uh, who he fought, you know, as a vampire, was merely just a serial killer with a vampire uh, M.O. And uh, vampires don't exist. Um, Peter Vincent is also back, uh, and he's back where he started uh, hosting Fright Night and sort of depressed and alone, and I believe he's also drinking. He's got a little bit of a a problem with... um, brown liquors um everything's going fine uh, in his life he's got a new girlfriend he's going to college and then a lady vampire rolls into town to seduce charlie and uh, completely derail his mental health treatment unfortunately um it's equal parts terror and hilarity uh, when the roles are reversed from last time and there's a much higher body count uh one of my favorite parts of the movie is the fact that this time around it's uh it's still the vampire doing the seduction, but Charlie becomes the target uh, of a woman of a female vampire rather than uh, you know the male vampire seducing uh, Charlie's girlfriend. And so the way they play on that in the story is a lot of fun. And if you you're like me, you like watching these like schlubby oh, you suburban guys kind of go <laughs> and act all goofy around a, an attractive woman, and it's just. That, that plays out through the entire movie. Uh, some of the other highlights are the bonkers 80s outfits. Um, like I said, the seduction of a suburban doofus. Uh, Roddy McDowell, who uh, is like a funnier version of Vincent Price, I would say, in this movie. Uh, and I don't think that was unintentional. Um, corpse Bowling, uh, which is one of the most important scenes of any vampire movie from the 80s. I would say any movie. Any vampire movie, I I I challenge you to think of a more iconic scene. Uh, once you've seen it, I think a lot of people haven't seen this movie. Well, you know, honestly, uh,
0: the original *Fright Night* is one of my favorite vampire movies, but I've never I've never seen this one. How could you?
1: I, don't, I actually I've seen the first two minutes. You betrayed your friends Charlie and Peter Vincent and girlfriend. Girlfriend. And I'm sorry. I think guys. that's it. Those are literally the only protagonists. You never see Charlie's mom. Uh, You never see any... Oh, you see his friend uh, Richie, I think. Fuck that guy. Um, But uh, there's some great uh, makeup effects and creature effects in this movie. There's some bug eating. There's a trip to the loony bin and giant bats, which is one of my favorite things of all time. My final verdict on this movie is, here we go again. (laughs) That's because it's one of those sequels where it's uh, definitely a rehash of the same themes and, and plot points of the original, but there's enough variety and enough of a, a twist on it to make it fresh. Good evening. Now I
0: know
1: what you're saying,
0: it's only a movie, right? Wrong. Evil is powerful. Monsters are real. The forces of darkness are at work everywhere. Now I know, I have gazed into the jaws of the beast. I
1: have felt his claws at my throat. I have seen his burning eyes, smelled his rancid breath. Where's the script? Oh, Where's the damn script? There is no telling. Where? He's
0: impossible. He throws
1: the scripts away now.
0: My number two pick is 2014's Late Phases.
1: Number two. Uh,
0: this was directed by Adrian Garcia Bagliano, um, who has mostly done foreign movies. This was an American film. Uh, I think he's most known for his movie Here Comes the Devil.
1: Oh, that's uh, a good
0: movie. Uh, this stars... This has a pretty good cast. It has Tom Noonan, Lance Guest from uh, The Last Starfighter, Nick DiManchi. You might have seen him of other horror movies like Stakeland and uh, We Are What We Are. Stakeland. We Are What We Are. That's the cannibal movie, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Stakeland. Now, there's a movie. That's a
0: really great movie. I almost. I actually had a lot of trouble picking between... This one, late phases and Stake Land, because I feel they're both came out around the same time and both yeah. are very underrated.
1: I would have said that about Stakeland Land, uh, maybe a year or two ago, but um, I think the the life that it's been given on Netflix has really it definitely has picked up. Yeah, yeah, I, I know a lot more people who uh, have seen it because of that, and you see. Probably almost every weekend, Stake is one of the the most popular kind of trending movies yeah. on Netflix. And that is actually ultimately why
0: I went with went with this one. Um, this is one of the, this is a werewolf movie, and you once described it actually in a, a way that I think this really sums it up. which is Grant Torino meets the Wolf Man. Oh yeah, that's um, brilliant. I'm amazing. I think this is one of the better werewolf movies. Uh, there's a, I mean honestly, there's I love werewolves, but Movie picking wise, there's really not that many gems out there. No, there's a
1: lot of bad werewolf uh, this movies. This one's
0: this one's really good. There are some, I will uh, uh, concede that there are some parts in this movie that just are ridiculously dumb.
1: Oh sure, there it has its corny moments. Uh, there's
0: there you know I mean but if it's only those it's only like three or four parts that kind of keep it from being one of the best werewolf movies ever in my opinion. Uh, it's, it's the plot of this movie is about a blind uh, war vet being moved into a retirement community. Who's just kind of a cranky old guy, uh, just played by Nick Damici, and Nick Damici is an actor who's only like in his forties, but he's yes. playing like a guy in his, he was like in his well into his eighties. Yeah, he's got a little bit of 70s. old age makeup. Yeah, uh,
1: that's nice and, subtle. It and is he, subtle. He plays the character. I well. think
0: he pulls it off really well, uh, convincing you that he is much older than he is, in very subtle ways. Uh, and it's about this. It's this blind guy who is having an, encounters with a werewolf within the retirement community. Yes. And it's. Kind of no one's else. Everyone else is kind of oblivious to the fact and that no one believes him because no he's old. Yeah, and, but it's kind of it's interesting because it's his lack of sight that makes him more perceptive.
1: Yeah, he's paying attention to the details while everybody else is kind of like scoffing at, yeah, at and yeah, and assuming input. that it's a wild animal attack or just a human killer.
0: So it's really there's a, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. And honestly, what the movie is really about is about this guy getting older. Yes, since dealing with that and and his like his relationship with his son and stuff, so the, all this stuff is just kind of like the werewolf is all just an excuse for this.
1: Yeah, it's got a nice, rich, rich plot, and it's a very clever movie. Yes, and, and all the performances are really good. Really
0: good. Yeah, I would say the, the the my biggest complaint of the movie is I think there was a real missed opportunity with the identity of the werewolf, which once again I don't want to go too much into the details of that. Yeah, but you know that's you know at the end of the day the rest of
1: the movie is so good i find that kind of to be kind of minor you know oh definitely and i mean i think that's uh something you can play with in every werewolf movie uh oh, for sure. making it a sort of a, a whodunit kind oh, of murder yeah. mystery but uh at, yeah at the end of the day yeah. this movie is so good that it, it doesn't really matter
0: yeah. you don't even really ma- it doesn't even really matter that it's not a very high budget movie and at the end the werewolf reveals could they kind of look more like were rabbits and it no who cares
1: I you know? yeah, it's it's a lower budget movie, and I think forgiving the design of the werewolf is it's pretty easy to do with how quality the rest of the film is. Yeah, there, and I remember, I recall only seeing like one or two shots where I was really sort of cringing. Yeah, for the most part, they do a good job of keeping the werewolf out of sight and mm-hmm. and shooting it really well. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. Yeah, late phases. That's a that's a fantastic movie. Get it? It's like the moon. And he's old. Oh, yeah. What can I do
0: for you? Can you make silver bullets? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can make silver bullets. What guns? Smith & Wesson 64 revolver Remington 700 BDL rifle. Yeah, I can make those. Can you do silver shotgun shells? Shotgun shells? Shotgun shells are a little more complicated. They take like an hour to make. I only need one. I'll take it. Hey. What do silver bullets make you think of?
1: Me? Lone
0: Ranger. You ever see that? Vigilante fighting for justice and all that. He used silver bullets. Something. About how the precious metal stood for the preciousness of life. Yeah, the only thing precious by life is it is. I heard that, brother.
1: And here it is. You wanted it, you got it. Number one. My number one underrated horror flick you're gonna love. Halloween 2. Now, right away, you're probably saying, Keith, what the hell, man? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I can't believe you think that Halloween 2 is great. What about... Halloween 1, or Halloween 6, or... I don't think anyone's ever said that about Halloween 6. <laughs> I almost put Halloween 6 on this list, so... <laughs> that We should talk about that sometime. But here's the thing about Halloween 2. It was released in 1981. The tagline was... More of the night he came home. And it, it literally is more of the night he came it, home. It
0: does, it does pick up like, immediately at the end yes, of the Yes,
1: immediately movie. after Dr. Loomis fires sh- six shots into Michael Myers. And I'm not going to explain who Michael Myers is. If you're listening to this, you probably know who Michael Myers is, uh, even in the most rudimentary sense. So I won't get into that. But right after uh, uh, Dr. Loomis shoots his patient off a balcony of a house... Uh, he gets up and walks away. And uh, the opening of this movie is probably something that has stuck with me my entire life. I remember watching this on television um, and also on recorded from TV on a VHS tape. And there's a scene right after the opening credits um, where you get to see, you know, the classic, uh, the, the theme kicks in and you get to zoom in on the pumpkin. The pumpkin splits open and there's a skull underneath but right after that, we pick up with Michael, um, as it, and it follows him around as he, um, he watches from behind a tree as Dr. Loomis runs around screaming, you know, calling call the police kind of stuff. And uh, Michael wanders off into the neighborhood, you know, down a dimly lit, you know, side driveway outside of a house where a girl's alone. She's on the phone with her friend. The door is wide open. Um, and this could be any neighborhood, anywhere. Like, I've seen streets like this in my neighborhood everywhere that I've lived, um, and it's terrifying. The idea that, that someone is just floating around out there unseen, um, where no one can detect them, you know, hidden in the shadows. Like, he literally becomes, I feel like this, in this movie, he becomes the shape that he's he's so often called. Referred to as, yeah, just as the shape. Yeah. And I mean, throughout this movie, there's scenes like this where he's just floating um, around to people who are oblivious to him existing. And it's just incredible. You also get lots of great moments where people are watching TV. They're listening to the radio. They're hearing about this uh, in their town. And they're, they're sitting there in a state of fear and panic with their eyes wide open. But never... At any moment do they think, this is going to happen to me. Oh, it happened to somebody else. It happened in a different part of town. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, those are the most frightening moments of a horror movie. um, Is when you get that feeling of dread and you want to look over your shoulder. You want to check in the closet because this is something that is bleeding into the real world via these news reports and these ancillary characters talking about the events. And to me, that's more terrifying than any jump scare uh, at this point. And you haven't seen Halloween 2. I haven't seen Halloween 2. I'm going to admit I haven't. So you have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. It's unbelievable. You need to to watch this. I'm probably overhyping this, but for probably 20 years, well, not quite 20 years, but I've been terrified of this movie. Um and so, some of the other highlights, uh, in addition to the news reports, are uh, uh, Michael Myers takes a walking tour of Haddonfield while he's hot on the trail of his half-sister, Lori. Uh, the cops just kind of bumble around. Uh, there's one great scene where they investigate a elementary school that they think he's broken into, uh, and they find some fun evidence where he's driven a knife through a crayon drawing of his sister, uh, and he's also written the word... Uh, it looks like Sam Hain, but it's actually pronounced Sawin. Uh, in blood on the blackboard, um, and that kind of alludes to the, um, you know, the idea that he might be, you know, part of something bigger than a something supernatural. Um, it alludes to witchcraft and you know paganism and sort of the origins of Halloween in the season. Yeah, which is I think is fun, and I think they did a good job of keeping that kind of stuff. Sp- relatively vague and subtle rather than delving into this wild, complex storyline as uh, Halloween six would in uh, later on. Um, this would actually be the last Halloween movie for about seven years. Um, it was seven years between Halloween two and um, Halloween four. the Hall- return of Michael Myers. Halloween one. three doesn't even have Michael Myers. No, exactly.
0: No, that's a movie I think is an underrated horror movie how would how do you think i mean i just in terms of quality not on plot because michael myers obviously isn't in halloween three
1: just in terms of quality how would you say two stacks up to three well i think they're completely different movies but i think on the same level they're essential october viewings um halloween three and halloween two both have incredible moments of uh just painting a portrait of the season in Halloween 2, you see a kid being taken to the hospital and it's implied that he bit into an apple that had a razor blade in it, which is fantastic. And then in Halloween 3, you see kids dancing around in, you know, skeleton and witch masks, mm-hmm. you know, for fun, singing the, the silver shamrock song and, uh, you know, walking across, you know, fields at dusk in different parts of the country. Uh, I think both are excellent uh halloween movies i think halloween 3 is so often uh debated and discussed and talked about because it it stands out yeah uh because it doesn't have michael myers that i didn't include it but i think everyone should watch that as well i just think halloween 2 tends to get lost in the shuffle um because every year on like, like AMC Fear Fest or anywhere you see on cable, it's Halloween 4, it's Halloween 5, right. yeah. uh, even 6. Uh, you see probably more often than Halloween 2. And I think that's um, that's a big misstep. Um, now for you gore fans, uh, a lot of people appreciate the nuance of the original Halloween, but they're not that excited by the, the kills. Um, so if you're a slasher fan... Halloween 2 definitely ups the the graphic violence and the uh, creativity of the kills so if you want to see someone boiled or um, someone attacked with um, uh, carpentry tools things like that uh, you're in luck because they definitely and in fact <laughs> at one point one character is is in a creative kill is lifted up off her feet into the air. Um, and that's probably, probably one of the more memorable kills in Halloween too. Um, but I won't get too deep and, and spoil it all for you, but who doesn't enjoy a good boiling? That's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> there's also, um, there's also the, the piece of the music. I believe this is before John Carpenter worked with Alan Howarth. Isn't that his? I can't uh, remember. That's who he partnered up with right. on Halloween Three, which has incredible music. Um, but you get a little bit of a remix on the classic Halloween theme here, uh, that I think is pretty effective. It's got some opening kind of stingers to it that really set the mood. Mm-hmm. Nice. Also, here's a here's a fun a fun anecdote. During a presentation in middle school, I brought in my VHS copy of Halloween Two. So I was doing a presentation on on fear. Um, I think we were doing presentations on um, like human emotions and people's reactions to those things. and I chose fear because I had loved horror movies since I was a kid. I brought this tape in and I showed a scene from the movie that didn't have any blood because I didn't want to get in trouble with my teacher for showing graphic violence. So I thought that if someone got stabbed with a needle... You know, that it didn't really look very penetrative and there was no tearing of skin or blood spurting or anything like that. I thought that that would be far more acceptable. So the scene where uh, one of the nurses takes a hypodermic needle to the temple, I brought that in and showed one of my middle school classes. (laughs) And somehow I didn't get shipped off to a mental hospital. (laughs) And I felt pretty good about that. I don't remember what grade I got on it, but uh, my teacher never looked at me the same way again, that's for sure. That pretty much says it all. Yeah. So my final verdict on Halloween 2, watch it. This is an October essential. No question about it. You see the blackboard back there in the elementary school? Yeah. In order to appease the gods, the druid priests held fire rituals. Prisons of war, criminals, the insane, animals were burned alive in baskets. By observing the way they died, the Druids believed they could see omens of the future. Two thousand years later, we've come no further. Samhain isn't evil spirits. It isn't goblins, ghosts, or witches. It's the unconscious mind. We're all afraid of the dark inside ourselves.
0: Alright, guys. Well, my number one pick...
1: Number one.
0: ...is 1957's The Abominable Snowman. (laughs) (laughs) What? Did you say 1957? I did, Keith. 1957. Uh, This is directed by B-movie legendary director Val Guest. It's from Hammer Films, and... The reason I picked this one is uh, Hammer. Hammer Studios was mo- mo- known mostly for their vampire, Frankenstein, you know, Christopher Lee, yeah, Dracula. Blood, of, blood of Dracula, yeah. type movies. The Satanic
1: rites of Dracula. And a hell of a title.
0: This uh, this is by no means the best horror movie I've ever seen, but it's a really weird, interesting little gem that kind of got lost in the shuffle of all those uh, blood spur- spurting Dracula movies. This movie is it's about it stars Peter Cushing as a botanist who's obsessed with finding uh, a, a yeti, abominable snowman. He had seen a glimpse of one he thinks at one point in time and now he's just devoted his life to tracking him down. And what there's a lot of things that make this movie like kind of unique and interesting. One it, it kind of has all the normal setups of a 50s, you know, sci-fi horror B movie, but it subverts a lot of them and does a lot of things that you didn't. You didn't really see commonplace in movies until much later. For example, uh, everyone on this expedition to find the yeti don't. The dangers don't come from the yeti itself. It comes from their own fear of the yeti, and they end up doing things to endanger their them, their own selves and injure oh. their own themselves and kill each other be, through panic. So it's stuff. almost
1: like a wendigo uh, kind of situation where it's not really. There, but it's sort of hanging in the air. The it, idea of this very creature, very much like that.
0: You very you you hardly see you see any glimpse of the of the abominable snowman at all. And I'm am sure initially that was a budgetary constraint, but it's used to such advantage and such and such strength. And really, what you ultimately find out is that the that the Yetis are completely benevolent, but everyone's dying left and right out of their own fear of them and panic and doing things like hearing us hearing a noise and running off into the darkness and flying off
1: a cliff or... Firing guns into the air. Yeah, and
0: killing each other and stuff, and, and fighting and killing each other. It also has a very, like, bizarre, like, almost transcendental tone to it. Like Wow. It's really, it's a really weird little movie. The, the music in it is phenomenal. It's, it's not, it's totally not typical of the dramatic music of the time. At least, at least the main themes. I mean, I really can't remember every piece of music, but there are main themes in it that are very unique. Almost... Very similar to, in a certain way, it, it remind me a little bit of Jerry Goldsmith's score for Predator.
1: Wow. You're really classing uh, up this list, by the way. This is probably the the most palatable It uh, definitely choice. is. This I mean, is... this
0: is definitely, you could show it to your, you know, grandma. I mean, she would probably show it to you since she was the one who was alive when it came out. If
1: you have a grandma that's interested in having a horror movie marathon and would like to do live commentary with us send her Uh, our way yeah yeah. let's connect because I think that would be an incredible uh, piece of business and a lot of fun
0: and if you have a grandma that's like single and I don't know just kind of like
1: wanting to get back out there if she's looking for love companionship uh, perhaps an heir to her fortune uh, I am single Elliot is not I'm not I was going to say Keith is a really good looking guy he's got a car I certainly know my way around a pancake house, too. I can attest to that, personally. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Anyway, back to the movie. Um, Yeah, it's just very unique in that sense where it's like everything you expect a typical B-movie of that time to do, it sets that up and then doesn't, you know? Yeah. a lot of the supporting actors are really good in it as well. There's a, an actor who looks like Kateshi Kitano in it. It's not. No. But weird. it looks like him a lot. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, out of all the movies that, you know, Hammer's obviously legendary and done a lot of great stuff. This one just maybe isn't their finest piece of work or their, their masterpiece, but it's definitely it's better than a lot of the other movies of theirs that got remembered and deserves a, a second look. They're after me. They know it was me that did it last night. They're after, they're after all of us. They just killed McNeil. Why said that? It was an accident. It's me next. They know it was me. Stay here. Wait. Ed, I can hear you. You've got to understand, that isn't Shelly. It isn't anybody. I can hear his voice. It's in your own mind. It's
1: yeah. just happened to me too. Well, I guess that's the end of our lists. Um, if you guys have any picks, let us know. We want to hear about them. Yeah. We might be experts and, and sage advisors in the realm of horror, but if you have your own personal favorites. Let's hear about them.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Hit us up in the comments. Go to our Facebook page. If you guys think, well, did you think that we left out? Let us know. We'll oh break. yeah.
1: Blow up the comments. Uh, make sure you like us. Facebook.com slash the trash heap. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave us some reviews. Gosh, dang it. Uh, we don't know how we're doing. So unless you guys start reviewing us, we're just going to keep doing everything the same way. And we're going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, that's it for the trash heap. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Happy Halloween. It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by.
0: Dark masks, gather round your TV set, put on your masks, and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third commercial, it's still up, please. Take off the the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it, stop it now. Turn it off, turn it off. Stop it, stop
1: it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it!